Great, let me get game face on. Hang on. Hello and welcome to Three Wheeling, a podcast all about making friends in your 30s, that hugely daunting task. And uh, then just a little bit of a recap of what we're reading, watching, and listening to. My name's Sasha Kelly. I am a Melbourne-based, for now, uh, (laughs) podcast producer, and I'm joined by my dear friend, Laurel Henning, who is a Sydney-based, do I say for now? No, she's definitely (laughs) Sydney-based journalist. Laurel, welcome to what's going to be the last three-wheeling of 2021. I know. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. We made we it. We made it. We beat Delta and we are somehow at the end of the year. I mean, we said last episode it's been a week. I'd say it's been a month for both of us. We are both either... Sasha oh. is preparing to move. I have just moved. I'm still surrounded by boxes slightly. Um... And it's just been a big old time. So the fact that our last couple of, well, last episode and this episode will be slightly disjointed from our previous routine is testament to the time that it has been. But we are coming to you now. We are wishing you a happy Christmas and we will be back sometime in January, uh, late January, maybe early February. We haven't really decided yet because we'll be taking... We're doing this on the fly. We'll be taking our <laughs> we're nice, doing this on the fly. <laughs> well earned summer break for our southern hemisphere lives, and um, yeah, and then we've got big plans for next year, which we're excited to get into um, and tell you all about then. But um, yeah, and just a heads up for ambiance and background noise. I am sitting with a lovely view of the sunset going down where I am now. But um, yeah, where I am is just slightly closer to the flight path than I was in my older flat. So we may get some some low-flying aircraft coming in <laughs> as people return home for Christmas. I just think it's adding an element of ambiance, as you said, to those of us who are missing travel. We can just hear the aeroplanes as um, your little ode to it at the moment. Well, why don't we start? I know that you've just moved house. But have you done anything to meet your new neighbours this week? Well, it's funny you ask that because just this morning I was hanging out my laundry on the communal washing line and uh, there was a neighbour and I said, hello, and I was introducing myself to lovely Simon. And then um, the washing line broke with my knickers on it. Oh my gosh. And then Simon was trying to help fix the washing line while I was sort of holding my knickers in my hand and we were sort of having a getting to know you chat and it was... um, it was something. It was something. <laughs> he was incredibly gracious about the whole thing and fixed to the washing line. And uh, yeah, that's that's my neighbour, Simon. Uh, thank you to him. My underwear is now fully dry. So that's great. Well, look, I would say, I don't want to put words in your mouth because, you know, you could go, oh, how mortifying. But I think that that <laughs> is just such a great sign of the neighbour that you have <laughs> that didn't even break a sweat just... Didn't break a Just embraced the situation in front of him and helped you. And I think that we all need neighbours like that. So I'm very, I'm thrilled that that was your experience. Thank you. 
I appreciate that. There was also a moment where inevitably part of me was like, my way overly romantic brain was like, is this the start of a rom-com? <laughs> is this your meet cute? Is this your is moment this to go? And <laughs> Just wafting my big granny <laughs> neutral coloured pants in his face. <laughs> Freshly laundered. Thank you so much. Look, I, I think it could be. I'm not going to shout it. I'm not going to shut it down. Um, I I saw no part of this interaction, so I can't give you an accurate reading. But, mm. you know, mm. I think it sounds excellent. Mm. Well, as long as you think so, Sasha, that's really all that counts. <laughs> Have you been making friends while packing boxes? Oh, my goodness. No, I've got to say I've, I've done not much. Um aside from just desperately hanging on to paid employment and packing my life into boxes, Um, which I feel that anyone who's moved knows that that's exactly what the experience is, is just like desperately trying to keep the rest of your life on some kind of forward motion while while you balance everything else. Um, No, but I've got to say that I have just the most magnificent friends in my life because last weekend – a dear friend of mine came round and just, I think of myself as a very capable person most of the time, but when it comes to packing my life up, I get very overwhelmed and she just... I don't... Yeah. yeah sorry. I don't think anyone doing packing up an apartment solo, um, I don't think that's reflective of how well one handles life because... Yeah, I had a friend helping me last weekend and I was like, my goodness, two pairs of hands over one is a huge difference when you're packing a flat. It really is. And also I think I think why it feels in such stark contrast, why it feels in such stark contrast to who I am as a person is that the rest of my life, you know, I work as a producer. Most of my life is project management. And so it's mm. just really confronting to suddenly look at everything in front of you and go, I, ju- I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to I do. I don't with know this. what to do. Yeah. Uh, but uh, a really good friend, she came around and helped me. And then, um, oh. Oh, and then I stayed with a friend this week in Sydney because I was there for work. And I've got another friend offering to come and just be with me while the movers are here on Sunday because I always find that. That's also very um, emotional. Yeah. And and it's just a, um, I mean, you know, let's not wade into this vast territory, but um, it's like getting a car mechanic or getting your car serviced Mm. it's like there's certain jobs in life where being a single 30 year old woman is not an asset and can sometimes you can sometimes feel a little out of your depth helping or getting in the way or whatever it might be so I just really appreciate that um I've got people in my life who are turning up and willing to get in the way with you and willing to get in the way and ferry me around and somehow um get me through the next week because then I will be trying, yeah. attempting to get into Queensland, which for anyone international, you don't really need to know, but Australia's um, COVID restrictions just add another element of um, bureaucratic <laughs> processes that uh, are slightly daunting. So I'm just really looking forward to this time next week. That's my summation, Laurel. <laughs> I... I'm right there with you. I actually was just sitting in the bath before we started recording, just trying to wash off the day, to be Mm. quite honest with you, and the uh, leftover moving errands that I'm still doing. And I was basically just like, kind of talking myself through a meditation of, you're okay, 
you're going to be fine. Next week is going to be quieter than this week was and that will help you relax and mm. things like that. So we'll get there. We are getting there. We here are we go. Get there. Here we here we are. Here we go. Have you been listening to anything that you'd like to discuss? Yes, I have. Sasha. And I was going to come clean as well because I think now is the time to reveal my sins. <laughs> I have listened and I have watched I have not read a thing this week. And so I was just that going to write my notes and I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to be honest because I think everyone can appreciate how sometimes you just don't, you just decide not to read anything because you go, the world is too much. But yes, I have been listening to something and um, it's a, it's a kind of a compa- companion piece. I've been listening to, and just like that, the writer's room, and it's the official oh, <laughs> companion podcast. This is content I haven't come across yet to do with Angela. Yeah, like it's that. the companion podcast to, uh, and oh, just like wow. that, um, you know, the new Sex and the City reboot for anyone who uh, either firmly doesn't want anything to do with Sex and the City or lives under a rock. Either of those are your absolute. Um, your absolute choice in life to, and I, I salute you if you've managed to, um, you know, hold yourself back from, <laughs> from watching this show. I loved it because I, I think, you know, and I'm, I'm sure this will apply to you as well, Laurel, but it's so, uh, anything about the art and craft of writing, I just find so incredibly um Mm. pervy is the Mm -hmm. only word I can think of it's because it's so it's so personal and and there has to be such a confidence to actually talk about your process I think Michael Patrick King who's the creator of Sex and the City Mm -hmm. has obviously got to that point because he's 60 and he's been with these characters for you know what 20 30 years and he really feels like he's not done with them which is in itself a really interesting argument and so what they've done is they've got three of the original writers who worked on the series as well as this new reboot series and then they're getting a new writer so there's I think three three writers who have been brought on specifically for this reboot and so they're bringing one of them on every week to do a roundtable discussion of um, how they came up with the character arcs and and what they decided to explore. This could be a semi-spoiler, so maybe skip forward if you want. They made it very clear that they're basing a lot of this new series on what either the writers or the actors had been through themselves. So I found that maybe with Cynthia Nixon's character, who in real life left her husband and is now married to a woman, I thought maybe that is a little um, signal. Yeah, which is if you've... um, And and so I just thought there were a couple of elements that were interesting. I I mean, it was also fascinating because I think there's so many issues with the first two episodes. (laughs) The third has somewhat redeemed it for me. I've only watched the first two with a friend and then we're making plans to watch the, the succeeding episodes, so... No spoilers for episode okay, number three. Okay, I won't say anything me. about it, but... But I'm realising now that we haven't had a discussion about Anne just like that separately off mic and yeah, wow, there's just so much to say. Exactly, 
Exactly. So I won't say anything other than because we might very well recommend this as a watching thing. Um, mine, I think it's implied that that's what I've watched. But um, uh, otherwise, why would I listen to the podcast? Um, but they haven't got up to the third episode yet in the podcast. I have watched it and I it has uh, moved more on to fertile, familiar ground for me. I felt like maybe just the first two were particularly shaky okay so the third feels a little redeeming for you because yeah the third definitely felt I kind of went all right I'm gonna hate watch this this is where I'm going with this um you can't not I think I think if you watched (laughs) Sex and the City when you were younger or when it came out or if you enjoyed it in its original format forget the movies which you then would have watched because you were so into the tv show I feel like a lot of people, and I was listening Mm -hmm. to a a different podcast talking about this this week, a lot of people feel that they will just absorb, they will consume this content. It doesn't really matter to them whether it's good or problematic or bad or whatever it is. They will just inevitably consume it. And then, yeah, probably hate watch it. But it's kind of inevitable because it Mm, was such mm. a... If you were into it as the cultural phenomenon that it was then it's just you how could you not how could you not it's there to be watched exactly and especially when you do want something sugary and sweet and you know and actually I I think I can say this because this is safe but one of the new writers came on and Michael Patrick King said you know one of the things that he was really aware of moving into this new series was the privilege and the fact that these women are so wealthy And the new writer, for better or for worse, said, no, that's what I want from Sex and the City. I want them to have really expensive things. And I want them to have ridiculous lives. And I feel for me personally, that's probably the only direction with the show where if you watch season one through to seven and then the movies even are the worst (laughs) culprits of this... <laughs> oh, uh, is that actually their wealth wasn't very apparent in season one? Their privilege was, you know, they're educated, they have, you know, educated jobs, they're in careers that ne- none of them were struggling with, you know, being working class, but they're all, all white. white. Uh, you know, they, they just had a lot of um, lived privilege, I'd say. But Carrie definitely was it was made very clear that she sacrificed eating for nice clothes at particular times and I felt like um as the show kind of developed they made ways to just account for her to become wealthier and wealthier so she could afford the clothes that um the fashion wardrobe you know the the stylist which became like the fifth character of the show could account mm. for and and so I really felt like actually some of my favorite Sex and the City stories is you know when Carrie um, can't afford the down the deposit for her apartment and that creates tension within the friends and and I really enjoyed that and I felt that even though that is yeah. in itself an incredibly privileged storyline now where they're at is actually all four of them are, well all three of them in and just like that are ridiculously wealthy. And money is just not a factor at all. And I, I think that that's, uh, I, I just personally think that's a little bit of La La Land. But anyway, they they talked about that and um, that's a decision that they've gone with. But I feel like I've talked enough about um, the podcast. 
There's plenty for you to go forth and unpack now. What have you been listening to? Uh, so this is a bit difficult because I think a couple of weeks ago, this is in part due to our sort of slightly out of sync with where we are recording. My full intention was, and we won't have discussed it otherwise, which feels weird if we discuss Taylor Swift's new album to not discuss Adele's new album at all because her album came out in the interim of us recording our last episode and this episode. And I love this new album. <laughs> and I know that you don't love it as much, Sasha. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think especially... And then I had a lovely message from my friend Chrissy, who is not really a Taylor Swift fan. She was just thinking, I really wanted you to talk about the Adele album, Aww. but I don't really know anything about Taylor Swift. <laughs> I said, <laughs> okay, okay, next time, next time. Anyway, so here I am for Chrissy talking about Adele's album 30. Very briefly, I think I'll probably go on to another recommendation just because it feels... I'm slightly out of date with talking about Adele now, but if oh, I don't talk but about it, I don't her, think we have to oh. be of the time, do we? Bless you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and Are Adele, ourselves a Adele is timeless Adele, as well. She's a classic. She's a classic. She is she's a classic. classic. I will just say my favorite tracks from the album. Okay. Uh, I also have absorbed every interview I could find that she'd done, especially video wise. So she did a video interview, a video interview? A sit-down interview for Apple Music, <laughs> dear me, with um, Zane Lowe, who used to be on Radio 1. He's a Kiwi DJ, I believe. Oh. Yeah, he used to be on Radio 1 for a really long time. And um, anyway, he did a sit-down interview with her, which was really good. And she talked through each track, which I haven't really seen her do elsewhere. And then I also watched, of course, the UK special of her performing, which was fantastic. But yes, she. so my favourite tracks are Cry Your Heart Out, Can I Get It, Oh My God, and Hold On. Cry Your Heart <laughs> Out, I love because she said that it was, it's sort of half, um, there's a slightly cheeky element to it. It's one of the songs where she's got those sort of retro, very high backing vocals that she's done for herself. Do you, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? How, how, how do I describe this, Sasha? Oh, my brain has gone. When to you mush. sound like a sixties sort of doo wop almost singer. Oh. I think that's you know very I mean? evocative to describe them as sixties doo wop singers. Okay. Do you mean like a kind of acapella or like a like a Diana Ross kind of yes, vibe? Diana Ross is exactly yeah, who I'm okay. thinking of. Okay. Okay. So Cry Your Heart Out has that kind of vibe to it but it's in a in a little bit of a cheeky way I guess also a nod to Amy Winehouse which quite a bit of this album feels like as well and I enjoy that and she said it was written after in that period after her divorce when she was super depressed and she'd done all the crying well she was still doing all the crying sort of past there's that point in a breakup where Mm. you get a pass for tears for quite a long time probably with your most generous friends and then there's a point where that pass kind kind of goes you kind of pass you you pass the point for on the floor I can't get up tears Mm, and mm. then it's go and see a therapist Mm. go and talk to a doctor or Mm -hmm. get your shit together (laughs) yeah and a friend of hers came in and basically said okay you chose to leave your marriage my husband Mm. died (laughs) I can't deal with this anymore. And 
it was in a very, she describes it as a really, you know, when your friends are very lovingly um, confronting with you. Yeah. And so that's where Cry Your Heart Out comes from. And then I really like Can I Get It and Oh My God, because they both feel like sort of 90s, early aughts tracks and very British to me in their, in their music influences. And, um, and I, and I really Mm. like that. And Hold On Mm. is the most beautiful track mm. of hope and she talks about that beautifully in the interview with with Zaynlo and I'd really re- recommend watching it but I think in terms of the depth of hope that's in the song and it could apply to all sorts of things not necessarily relationships and she also talks I think in that interview saying that she wouldn't perform it and then in the UK special she does perform it because she was saying when she was being interviewed oh I don't really feel ready for it it was a very intense experience just recording that song and I don't quite feel ready to perform it live yeah maybe at some point but not quite yet and the fact that she then did at the UK special I don't know whether she did for the Mm. US one just made me think I don't know it just felt goosebumps I'm getting goosebumps like extra special and Mm. Yeah, that was really nice. I've gone on about that enough. I think that will be my listening. Um, Go and put Adele on one more time. I haven't listened to the album probably in a week, so I think I'm due a listen. Oh, absolutely. I've got to say that I think we've talked about this a little bit. Extensively via WhatsApp. Between us, yeah. Um, I don't think I've really given the album the time yet to process it and I think that that's because I've had a very full-on end of the year and I think it's quite a mature album I think you know what you're talking about and when I listen to it it really feels like quite a different Adele to the 21 and 25 and maybe one that will take me a little bit longer to get to know and you know how sometimes you go I'm just I just want a Big Mac or I just want like <laughs> sugar I want I don't, just like that I don't want the complex yeah I don't want complex uh you know getting to know you it, I just don't feel quite like that's really gonna hit the spot at the moment but I do think like everything of Adele's I've I've fallen in love with at some point so I feel like this is going to be a slow burn love story for me but you know um and also because you've talked about it (laughs) so so lovingly I just feel like oh I do need to really sit with it for a couple of days and listen to it and give it its due chance rather than just listen at first um instinct and go oh this isn't what Mm. I thought it would be and shut down from it so yeah if nothing else you've got to respect a woman who manages to get Spotify to remove the shuffle button on an album because she wants you to actually listen to it absolutely and I also (laughs) feel that the fact that that happened just shows I I do think what's really come through from all her interviews is just how proud she is of it I mean not none more so than the ill-fated interview that did not make it to air which we will not speak (sighs) of but you know I couldn't resist without kind of throwing that one in there but yeah I I think and I think that that's also beautiful when an artist is just so proud of something it's really infectious and I think you can really tell with Adele that this has been quite a seminal piece for her so there you go thank you 
What have you? Cool. So you said you haven't read anything. Do you want? I to... haven't read anything. <laughs> <laughs> Not even the back of the Frosties packet. I've read Twitter and Reddit, um, which I don't think I'd recommend because I I feel my brain rot as I sit on Twitter sometimes. And I then went and bought um, as I flew back from Sydney today. The my first recommendation, which was the uh, the Tea Magazine, the New York Times Magazine, and I went. I've already recommended yes. this, so I can't recommend it again. But I, yeah, there you go. My recommendation is to go for a good old magazine if you've got one around when you don't feel like you can um, consume anything of length. Sometimes a magazine's all you want. It's nice and easy for a plane ride. <laughs> It clearly stands up because you've returned to the same magazine. So you clearly uh, enjoy Do you know why I returned to it? It's because Daniel Ricciardo was on the she front cover. <laughs> and I love Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> so, yes, shameless advertising worked. I went, oh, yeah. I think that that's the right. That's that's how I want to spend my plane ride in the company of Who Daniel. Who can blame you? Um, what have you been reading now that I've just been so trashy? Oh, God, I feel like I'm about to sound like such a snob as well with my recommendation by comparison. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm going to recommend the book a prize winner. Oh, my goodness. You know what? I just I love that in our moments of stress, you are going to the most highbrow, you know, detailed things. And I revert to like a 15 year old. And just recommend things you've already watched before and thing and nothing to read. Sorry, tell me more. I'm trying to eat my greens, clearly, in my recommendations. <laughs> tell me more because um, I am about to have three weeks off. And if I was ever going to get out of this miserable reading rut, it will be in the next three weeks. Well, November was a real reading rut month for me. I felt like I read a lot of very... I felt like I was barely reading um, in comparison to how much I had read, particularly during the lockdown for me was actually a really good period for reading um, in our most recent lockdown here in Australia. And um, November, I just, I couldn't get into anything that I was reading and what I was reading, I found incredibly mediocre. So the fact that this was the first book I'd read since then that I thought, this is really good. This is really well written. This is making me feel a lot of things. This is making me laugh. It's making me sad. All the boxes are being ticked. And what do you know? It won the Booker Prize this year. So this is <laughs> this is The Promise by Damon Galgut. Um, oh, sorry. I just Googled as you said that. Right. And this title is every, like the image of this book cover yes, is all over my everywhere. Instagram. Yeah. yeah. So okay. Damon Galgut is a South African writer and he this is not his first book I think this is his fourth novel or he has four other books I feel like the number four and books in my mind is associated with Damon Galgut and this book Mm -hmm. is about a South African family it begins towards the end of apartheid it's got some very strong though he says this was not on his mind when he was writing the book some very strong links to E.M. Forster's Howard's End in terms Mm. of the matriarch of the family passes away at the beginning of the book and a promise is made hence the title relating to family Mm. property and in this instance the promise Mm -hmm. relates to 
yeah, I think I can say this, the family home itself and the black maid that they have, Salome. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because Mm -hmm. in all of the reviews I hear about this book, everyone says this definitely is the promise. And And definitely the promise within the novel is about Salome having a home and having this home, the home that the family live in as hers. But then what the only character to have witnessed this conversation hears Mm. is not verbatim Salome should have this house. Ah. So, yeah. So there's lots of ambiguity. There's lots of interpretation. There's lots of frustration. The novel then cuts between four different time periods and I think four different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And the inspiration for the novel for Damon Galgut was a friend of his I think told him and this had, I think I don't know whether this was related to COVID it might have been but that he'd been to something like four family funerals or four funerals of people that he knew in really quick succession and Damon Galgut was like there's something there's something in this for a, for a novel this is interesting mm. and he manages to weave in very dark humor he wrong foots the reader mm. a lot which I enjoy but it is quite a confusing read I'm never completely sure who the narrator is because I don't think the narrator is the character mm-hmm. that we're following I think the narrator is just an ob- observing voice it's it's beautifully told mm. it's a beautiful depiction of land it's a beautiful depiction of family um, or a very acute depiction of family I would say and yeah I'd really I'd really recommend it and I just felt mm. a lot of admiration for a well-written book and I as a result I felt really pulled out of my reading rut so Thank you to Damon Galga and also thank you to Darlinghurst Books, which was the only bookshop in Sydney that had a copy of it when I was trying to find one a few weeks ago. Oh, fantastic. Oh, well, I'm definitely going to read that because I think you have sold the pants off it. Ah, thank you. <laughs> well, and I was you know very pleased when I... someone told me the other day that they were reading Great Circle because of my uh, recommendation on the podcast. So I don't actually know whether they've enjoyed it or not yet. I should ask them, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm influencing some reading decisions and I can't complain. You certainly are. Do you know what as well? Um, and I just, I'm just going to say this as an aside that I often find book prizes quite intimidating um Mm. and it doesn't necessarily uh make me inclined to pick up a book because sometimes I feel like it might mean that I'll find it too challenging to get into as a holiday read so I did appreciate I do appreciate you giving it such context and and scope of what what to expect yeah Oh, and if, if you'd like a lighter prize-winning read, I would also highly recommend Pulitzer Prize winning Less by Andrew Sean Greer, which won the Pulitzer Prize, I don't know, three Ooh. or four years ago now. And that is probably the most beautiful book about forgiveness and relationships that I've ever oh, read. What a little bonus recommendation in there. <laughs> Little, bo- little, little, little bonus, bonus, little bonus. Well, it is summer reading. It's like summer book. I club. mean, now is the time to be, yeah, giving all of the well, the elements. Well, I'm going to fly straight into my watching, seeing as I've done, I didn't do my homework. My dog ate my homework for the reading component. Obviously, I've been watching and just like that. Uh, but my 
<laughs> Which we, sh- we should do a blockbuster. Maybe we should do a special I think so. when it when it's finished. I think so. I think we should do another mm. cultural blockbusters, and we can definitely find other elements to talk about with that. But I watched, and and it's not a rave review. It's a I'm curious to see what happens next. I watched um, Landscapers, mm. the new show that Olivia Coleman <gasps> is in on Stan. Yeah, have you seen it? I haven't seen it. I think I've seen the trailer um, and it must be on a British channel. I assume somewhere. I assume it's been made in the UK, but yeah. that's hugely presumptuous on my part because it's <laughs> Olivia Colman. I, I, I saw... And I think he's a British actor as yeah, well. Yeah, I saw her interviewed on Graham Norton. Um, and when I say that, I watched YouTube clips of her on Graham Norton. I just adore Graham Norton. And her husband wrote it, Olivia Hunt. Olivia Coleman's husband wrote this and I think it's the first time that they're working together. It's quite, I don't want to say it's very British because you're actually British and it's probably an Australian understanding of that. What do you mean by that, Sasha? What do you mean by that? But it's, it. well, I mean that it's quite quiet mm. and understated and it doesn't have the big bells and whistles that a lot of American TV does and it's very character led but a little bit odd at the same time you know when you go <laughs> it's just a little bit strange but slightly, slightly slightly strange but I just really liked it so the premise is essentially you're following this couple in uh, France and uh, it's clear that they're really struggling for money. She seems to speak, I mean, and I don't have any French. She seems to speak quite good French, but he seems to be the breadwinner and he is struggling to earn any money because his language is proving to be more of a barrier. And so they're just kind of discussing, you start, you're seeing little um, interactions within their marriage of, you know, the truth and like obviously what the how much he's trying to uh, get a job. And and so you're just seeing this little picture of a marriage. And then at the same time, it flicks back to a British town where it starts, they start kind of um, following a cold case murder where um, this house in, um, gosh, I can't even remember the town now, but um, these two bodies are found in the backyard and it's all based on a true story. So I don't think it's giving anything away because, as I said, it is a true story. This couple, um, her parents, um, just overnight, they seem to bury them in the backyard of their house and they maintain that they it was an accident and that they didn't murder them um, but they were found guilty of murder and because they ran out of money in France they surrendered themselves for the police on the condition that the police paid their Eurostar um, trip back so it's it's just Olivia I don't know why I feel really sorry for them if they're cold-blooded murder (laughs) But that's that's what I mean. It's just this perfect, and you know Olivia Coleman, who's just so magnetic on screen. So it's just mm. this amazing little picture of this really quite bizarre couple um, who have their, all their own little idiosyncrasies and and obviously a very long and dedicated marriage. But at the same time, her parents are definitely 
buried in the garden of the house. Oh, and sorry, I've missed the most crucial point. They've been on the run for 15 years. Oh, wow. So they lasted 15 years before they gave themselves up to the police to be questioned. And they gave themselves up to be questioned knowing that, you know, maintaining their innocence. So apparently the real life story is quite black and white. You know, they're still serving time. Um, No one seems to think that there's a bit of a question about it. But Olivia Coleman's husband, who's the writer, who I really should know his name because he is a man of his own right. But this happens to women all the time. This happens so to women all the call time. Him Amal, Amal Clooney's husband, for instance. <laughs> exactly. So she apparently he read about the story and just thought it would be fascinating to try and, you know, make more of a gray scale about this very detailed story anyway i i've only watched the first i watched the first episode because that was all that was available this week but i'm gonna stick with it Ooh, tentative okay ed sinclair there you go and the male actor who is playing alongside olivia coleman is david thewlis who many people our generation will recognize as professor lupin from harry potter that is, ex- I was like, I know he definitely was in Harry Potter because that was my resounding thought throughout the first episode. Um, you know, why have the Queen and Lupin decided to run away to France together? Um, <laughs> these are the questions that need answering. What have you been watching? I have been watching, so I realised as well recently that I feel like I haven't really recommended many Australian TV shows or I think I've done one Australian podcast maybe, so I'm going to try and do Mm -hmm. more. But as it happens anyway, the TV series that I have watched most recently, other than And Just Like That, and Inhaled with Gusto Mm. was um, the ABC did a three-part docu-series as it were called Books That Made Us with Claudia Carvin is the Australian actress who Mm. um, is sort of fronting fronties so it's three parts the first part is themed around um, people the second episode is themed around place and the third episode is centred on the theme of power and then she talks to Australian writers and um, authors, people who are writing Mm. about books and reviewing them, and also people who have written their own fiction. And some of them are the authors of the books that get discussed in the TV series. Also importantly, focusing on Indigenous writers as well. Um, One book that I had read was uh, Melissa Lukashenko's Too Much Lip, Mm -hmm. which won the Stella Prize, I believe, a couple of years ago. And we did discuss it in our... Um, Bad Women Book Club that I attend um, Mm. earlier this year so I'd really recommend that book but I just I was just writing lists and lists and then realised that the ABC on their Instagram had put the reading list of all the books that had been mentioned and discussed (laughs) in the in the show but anything from Trent Dalton's Boy Swallows Universe, Richard Flanagan's um, Gould's Book of Fish and then I am desperate to read Alexis Wright's Carpentaria. I think that sounds absolutely mm. fascinating. As as a British person as well, living in Australia, it just made me really dig into that idea and also desire to learn more about the country I currently call home. And 
also face down that colonial history as well and want to learn more about it. But also it really focused very well on the increasing prominence of Indigenous writers in Australia and how important that is um, and the the variety of stories that are being told and the hopefully increased variety of stories that are being told. So I would really recommend three-parter on the ABC Books That Made Us. That sounds so interesting. I'm definitely going to explore that, I think. Yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're... And there we are. There we are. Like, we're surprised every week. <laughs> we're in absolute shock. Thank you so much uh, for joining us for, you know, 2021 with what has been bit of a little vanity project of both of ours but it's been a real joy hasn't it Laurel I'm speaking for you and you it has <laughs> have you had joy have you experienced joy with this vanity project have you experienced yeah. joy tell me um I've had just a blast so I was hoping mm. that you would say the same no I have and it's um yeah I'm just I'm really excited about us doing more of the podcast and hopefully yeah hopefully you're all enjoying listening to it please send us anything you'd like us to talk about or anything that you've listened to watched or read that we've been discussing or perhaps our um friend making is encouraging you to (laughs) meet new people um I know I had a couple of people message me in the last week or so say like did you go to that concert of the the guy that you had a letter from so um that was really that was really nice um so yeah (laughs) really enjoying it and a long med continue yes so a reminder that if you do want to send us messages and you don't know either of us personally and I'm sure as a listener we would be delighted to meet your acquaintance <laughs> but if, yeah as I said you don't have our emails uh contact us at threewheelingpod at gmail.com and we're also on Instagram where we share tiles and little bits and bobs from our lives on um, Three Willing Pod at Instagram. Yeah, that's where that's we are. Handle, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At <laughs> Three Willing Pod. Yeah, you can find us there. And if you want to give us a little Christmas present, what you can do for us is send us to someone who you think might like us. So pass the pod along. Mm. Um, if our band, or I was going to say, if our just musings on anything tickles your fancy and you know someone else, it would really help us grow our little tiny family uh, to be just a little bit bigger. Great. Well, I'll see you in 2022, Laurel. See you in 2022. Bye.